This is your typical radio ad while eating a Crunch Bar. This is Automatic of Auto's Used Cars. This weekend only, we're having a whale. Bring the kids. See for yourself. It is huge. Gonna make a big splash. No other dealer can say they have a whale like this. When things sound dull, turn up the fun with Crunch. Awaken your senses with a curiously refreshing Hendrix Cucumber Lemonade. Curious how? Cue the aroma. Marvelous. Cue the taste. Magnificent. Cue the cucumber. That's the refreshing secret. Hendrix is uncommonly crafted with cucumbers, roses, artistry, and imagination. Other gins are ordinary, but Hendrix is refreshingly curious. Discover Hendrix Gin cocktail recipes at HendrixGin.com. Please drink the unusual responsibly. Hendrix Gin, 44% alcohol by volume. Bottled and imported by William Grant Sons, New York, New York. Copyright 2024. Welcome to the Always Be Comedy podcast. My name is James Gill. I am the MC at the multi-award-winning comedy nights, Always Be Comedy. I'm joined, as always, by my comedy husband, Always Be Comedy's very own, Tim Lewis. Hello, Tim Lewis. Hello, James Gill. The Always Be Comedy podcast is where we sit down with a guest and they curate what would be their dream comedy gig. Who would open? Who would close? What sort of gigging nightmare that they've experienced must not, under any circumstances, happen at this fantasy comedy gig? It's all this and so much more. And by so much more, we often mean quite a lot of gossip. Hello, welcome to the Always Be Comedy podcast. We're joined today by a spicy meatball. (laughs) He won't mind us saying that. Uh, In the form of the great Finn Taylor. Tim, Finn Taylor is simply a brilliant comedian. It is as simple as that. He's my favourite provocateur, I'm going to say that. Whereas a lot of comedians who do very similar things to him, but they don't pull it off in a way that Finn Taylor pulls it off. It's really very exciting to watch him work through, especially a new show. He's always finding, finding that line, but does it in a way that I think is okay is that fair well I, i'm gonna i'm gonna bring up the harry hill line yet again what is the intent and i think finn's intent is to write brilliant jokes so when i was an open mic comedian i started like 13 plus years ago i, th- I think this was around the time frankie boyle was on mock the week um there'd been like the boy the boyle variety show on channel four trammed all nights now frankie boyle is one of the best joke writers ever. You know, he's, a, mm. he's an incredible joke writer. I mean, like the the levels of, of his of his writing are, are, are incredible. But I think what happened was is that a lot of comedians saw what Frankie was doing and thought, oh, what he's doing is saying shocking things. And he going, no, 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 you're missing the point. So what happened on the open mic circuit? There were loads of acts, not loads, quite a few acts that were just saying like deplorable things, but without the actual jokes. And I think what Finn Taylor is doing is he's, Tim and I, we, we would jokingly call him uh, an edgelord. <laughs> uh, and he, he, I think he would laugh along. Um, but what but what Finn is actually doing is he's responsible for some of the, the finest joke writing of any comedian 
working today. There's, I, mean, I think I might bring it up on the podcast, but there's one of well, there's one of his bits about, that involves uh, Scarlett Johansson. Now, if you've seen the bit, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And that's not Finn Taylor with that routine. Isn't he's his his uh, intention? Isn't I'm going to say something shocking? It's just to come up with a brilliant angle and brilliant jokes to go with it. And I think Tim, one of the reasons he go he goes down so will it always be comedy is because they love what he's pulling off. Uh, Larry David once said that comedy is a bit like diving from the high board, <laughs> and so you, the the more risks you take. You've you, you've got more chance of getting a high score, a nine point nine out of ten. However, because of the risks that you take, there's also the chance of banging your head on the diving board and it being <laughs> a disaster. So Finn Taylor is prepared to take those risks in pursuit of that elusive ten out of ten. And we've seen Finn land many a ten down <laughs> the years. And Finn Taylor would be the first person to say that along the way. My gosh, he might have banged his head a couple of times, but honest to goodness, God bless him for for doing what he does and and for trying to hit that ten. Um, if you've not seen Finn live, we would say you're in luck, and you can change that by seeing him on tour. Finn Taylor is back on tour in the new year. The name of the tour? Ask your mother! Exclamation mark. It starts off. Leicester at the Y Theatre, and then there's a, a a break of a week, and then I guess it it, it properly kicks off 16th of February, St Austell, the Key Theatre, on to Plymouth, Swindon, London. Tim, I believe one of the Leicester Square Theatre dates sold so well, he's added another Leicester Square Theatre date, so he's doing 23rd and 24th of Feb in London, uh, and then on and on and on, all the way through until the middle of June. Uh, what else can we say about Finn Taylor, Tim? Well, if you can't wait for that tour, he's got a full special out on YouTube called So My Wife. It is really brilliant. It's all on YouTube. It's for free. You get a little little bit of his support act, Dan Cook, who's wonderful as well. And it's a great show. Filmed at Less Square Theatre. Very good. I recommend that if you haven't seen that. It's free. What are you doing? <laughs> um, Finn, now, Finn Taylor, if you've not seen his internet show, oh my gosh, you're in for a treat. Finn Taylor versus the internet. As you'll discover with this episode of the podcast, I, I literally cannot wait to get onto it. And there's an immediate fan question because when you watch Finn Taylor versus <laughs> the internet, Finn re- Finn's really going for it. It's not... Um, I think if I was ho- if I was hosting that show, uh, it would be, if that was James Gill, it wouldn't be called Versus. James Gill uh, is kind to the Loves internet. The internet. <laughs> <laughs> it would be because as you, as regular listeners will know, I'm sort of fascinated, and uh, we talk about this. I'm fascinated as to um, people who make the internet work in, in their favour and, and have uh, carved a living out of it, uh, and and so on, and have, have, have sold tickets off, off the back of it. So I think that'd be my angle. Whereas Finn is, well, I mean, Finn, Finn is, is is pure Finn. And Finn's answer from the first question, Tim, I, I mean, I don't know like you, I did not know that stuff about certain episodes. Yeah, it's, it's really good. And lucky for you, we get straight into it. Um, 
we get two. I mean, I'll be honest with you, we get two straight into it because Finn has just welcomed his second child, and Finn is a friend, and I regret not asking him about his family before getting straight into Finn Seller versus the internet. But my enthusiasm, as you'll discover, is uh, is there. Finn's on great form. This is a, a great chat. So look out for the new series of Finn Taylor versus the internet. Uh, Tim, we, we have quite a lot of correspondence. We talked to, uh, I've talked, it's my fault. I got too, I got too carried away with my love for Finn. A couple of things to flag. Tim, someone else flew over from America and saw something like four always be comedy shows while they were over here. And they collared me last night and they are a fan of the podcast. So thank you very much to Bridget uh, for flying over. Tim, she saw Romesh. I think Bridget came to the, the, the Tim Key show uh, as well. And Bridget was there last night for Ashling and Nish and what have you. Uh, so yeah, love to hear it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. She made an effort to come over and say, she sort of planned this trip over the, the specific gigs we had. She said she saw Tim's show last year. And I believe she saw Celia Sporting an act on tour last year. Yeah, it was really, it's, a, it's such an honour. Like, it's really cool. It's always cool. That's nice. That, yeah, yeah it's, very, it's incredibly nice. Uh, Tim, we, we had an email just before a gig started from someone called Tommy. Uh, Sorry for the potentially lengthy email. I promise I don't make a habit of sending comedy clubs emails the evening before. Oh, no. When I said, you know what? I thought he'd sent this like while he was sat waiting for the show to start. Uh, see, I deliberately don't read an entire email so that you get the spontaneity. You, you, you know what I mean? From previous episodes when the, there was that episode where I actually cried. Uh, I promise I don't make a habit of, and then someone else email and say, you cry very easily. I, I do. I absolutely do. Uh, I promise I don't make a habit of sending comedy clubs emails the evening before a show, but I felt compelled to for two reasons. Firstly, you do a wonderful job of making listeners to your podcast feel, oh my God, Tim, I'm going to go again, feel like genuine friends. And secondly, when my persistent refreshing of the Sam Campbell ticket page was finally rewarded and the sold out button transformed into a buy tickets button and there were only two available, the exact amount my wife and I needed, I was sure a higher power had intervened. We're both <laughs> relatively new to the Always Be Comedy world, having been introduced via my new football club. Tim, it is insane how many people have come to always be comedy off the back of uh, David Earl and John Beer's My New Football Club podcast. I must thank them again. Uh, when you mentioned a new podcast where comedians pick their dream lineups, we were invested before it even started. Thanks for the fantastic content every week. We can't wait for our first trip to the Tommy Field tomorrow. Sam is a bit of a hero of ours. And then to see Harry Effing Hill will be there too. Dreams really can come true. We're sure the night will live up to everyone's amazingly high praise. I hope you both had a, have a wonderful evening. God, Tim, what a lovely email. Yeah, it was a lovely email. And I can say now, because that show's happened, it was an incredible show. <laughs> I must email Tommy to make sure that he enjoyed the show. Yes. I, oh, look, I'm sure he did. That Let's was one of my favourite Sam performances ever. It's one of my favourite Harry Hill performances ever. We also had Sarah Barron and Tucson Douglas on. All brilliant. So great. As we find out that Tommy walked out of the gig halfway through in, in, <laughs> in disgust. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. If you, if you, if you ever want to come to an Always Be Comedy show, please uh, visit the website, alwaysbecomedy.com slash uh, tickets. Tim, this Friday we have, um, we have a certain comedian uh, 
uh, returning to stand-up. We can't say who it is. Uh, and, of course, Phil... Tim, I can't think of many more naturally funny comedians than Phil Ellis. Yeah, an absolute powerhouse. Yeah, so brilliant. The sort, the sort of act who can absolutely nail a 20 minutes at the Frog and Bucket in Manchester and then also do a brilliant fringe show. Yeah, it's uh, hard to do both. He does both. So there are there are there are uh, a few tickets left for this Friday. So we might see you this Friday at the Tommy Field. Um, please keep those five star reviews coming in, uh, and we will endeavour to read out the five star review. Uh, any correspondence? The team at alwaysbecomedy.com and we are across the socials at Always Be Comedy. Tim, any other business? I think that's it for now. Wonderful. Here he is, uh, one of our very best comedians, uh, the great Finn Taylor. Uh, we're joined today by one of the finest uh, stand-up comedians in the country, Finn Taylor. Uh, thank you for joining us. Right, Finn, straight out the gates, I've been watching... This is a fan question. Finn versus the internet. So yeah. some some guys know that you are doing a character, you're joking, your tongue is in your cheek, you're, you know. Please talk us through, there must have been instances of a guest going, what is happening? Uh, well, hello. Um, yes, yes, there definitely is that. Um, the, fir the, fir the first lot we made... Sorry, can I just say, how, how desperate was I to ask that question? Yeah, was like, I... no, no formalities... No, how's no. the family? <laughs> please, please, take it. give me I've, some I've juice. Literally just had a child as well. Just had a second <laughs> child like two weeks ago. But that's the thing. The thing with my fans is they um, they, they live in that they don't live in that world. They're all lo lost, lost young men. Oh God! Oh, I've gone red. Um, I support Michael Parkinson would never have done that. <laughs> straight, straight out of the gates. Come on, you must, you well, must have fucked someone off. It also, it also presumes people know what know what the show is, but um, yeah, it's, so if people who don't, it's sort of, um, I guess it's got elements of like Ali G and um, Between Two Ferns and maybe Eric Andre and stuff like that, where I, I interview um, big internet celebrities or people with big, big followings as a sort of character who doesn't really know what the internet is. And yeah, when the, the first lot we made, um, we made 10 because we were sort of, it was almost like a pilot. We didn't know what we were doing. And, um, well, I think I put it this way. It's telling that we only released six in that there were, there were four that we couldn't use. One, because um, it was just too sad to watch because the guest was just too desperate and sad. One, because we quite instantly, actually the first joke we made, we entered quite dodgy legal territory because it was about a case that was still ongoing. So that, that got canned. Can't say any more about that. Um, so so you're, the short answer is yes, yes, there have been. But since it's gone out, since it's been out there, um, people sort of have a rough idea of what they're signing up for. Yeah. But now this must have, maybe this is all part of the plan, but I imagine it must have exceeded expectations because what has happened is you've started with quite a culty show, right? And it yeah. is, it is you, not lampooning, like, like the Jack mate episode, you know, he, I really like him. I think he's very funny and he gets it. There's times where he's looking down the barrel of the lens 
as it, you know, yeah. it, like he's, yeah. he's he's smiling, but he he, he gets it. Um, but what you ended up doing is creating a show that has actually become very very successful in its in its own right. Because because my 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 perspective of the show, tell me I'm wrong, was almost like you punching up because these guys have gazillions of followers, and then what's happened is your show has actually ended up. It's a bit it's a big internet show, and it's in its own right. I guess so. I mean, it's it's um yeah we've only done 12 episodes so but it feels i think because because every episode is basically well up to like 20 or 30 clips and the clips are done very well and some i think people just watch it in clips rather it has sort of a sort of i guess comparatively small but quite feral um fan base that watch all the you know on youtube and comment all the time um i call them fin cells um uh but but then yeah the, yeah the Instagram and TikTok sort of blew up, um, so uh, yeah and, and I guess the premise of the show is that I interview someone who has more followers than me, and I guess that that means that every series we have to go bigger and bigger um, if we're going to stick to that, but we might not. We'll see. I mean, it's just it's just a, it's just a vehicle for me to say awful things to um, to influencers, isn't it? That's all it is, really. But you've done that thing, mate. You've captured the Finn Taylor lightning in the ball. It's a great. <laughs> It's the perfect vehicle for you, it, you know. I, I really, I think you've done Thank such you. a great job with it, yeah, and I imagine it's helped put bums on seats when it comes to tours. Yeah, yeah, people are people are coming, um, which is great. Uh, it kind of blew up while I was on my last tour, um, and so the tour that we just put on sale, um, starting February next year, uh, is the kind of first, I guess, acid test of. Um, but, but it's it's funny because I think we put on a couple of extras in the last tour. One of them was in London and and my mum came and um, this was like after the show had blown up a bit and she was like, well, I've, I've never seen uh, never seen such a small queue for the women's toilets at a comedy gig. It's great. Um, <laughs> it's a certain demographic. Um, right. So it's so it's in the genes. The, 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 the roasting gags are in the genes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Although I did, I did Parroting Hell as well while I was on tour. And then that meant there were a few gigs that um, uh, <laughs> I had quite a lot of concerned mums in amongst the incels, the throat, the neck beard incels, made for quite a fruity dynamic, sort of Prosecco gone wild. <laughs> in amongst the Warhammer lot. But in, now in terms, right, in terms of the Finn Taylor lightning in a bottle, if there's, if, 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 anyone hasn't seen this you must check it out please can you share with us what happened when you dropped in as a guest on the nfl show yes um so basically long story short i um i had done the montreal just for laughs uh 2019 and i there, there was like these late night roast battles and i i it's almost like a Davis Cup. They always have like a Davis Cup of roasting where it's like multinational comedians. And me and Jimmy Carr were basically Britain's team. And um, did quite well. I think got to the semis or something. Anyway, caused a bit of a fuss. Got a writing job in the US. That then got cancelled because of COVID. Uh, but the production company then got in touch basically the week before this show saying, we made this NFL show. We've just found out because the NFL is in London that we're doing it in London. We are the only British comedian we can remember or know of continue come on it and i was thinking well that'll be some nice nice bit of wedge that'll be some money won't it and then i found out that they um my agent stayed on the call and discovered that they only they only pay people in exposure 
Um, which um, the NFL, yeah, which kind of fucked me off a bit because I was like that. The amount of money going around must be, you know, it's probably the biggest sport in the world. Well, I mean, I mean if it's not the biggest, I mean, it's of money and sponsors. It's like, top, it, top, surely top three biggest sports on the planet. Apart from the IPL, I can't actually think of something that has the same amount of money sloshing anyway, around. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't take that that well, so I but I decided I'd still do this show. Um, oh, by the way, you got exposure, my friend. Well, yeah, and I they, didn't they, really... they paid you handsomely. Yeah, I did, I did get, did, did, make bank, <laughs> did make bank actually. But <laughs> so I basically went on, and they and they said, you know, we're here because we, you know, what, what does it mean? What does it mean that the NFL is in Britain? What do, you know, talk to me about British NFL fans. And I basically then said what I really think of them, which is that they're all a bunch of sort of mum's basement dwelling, monster drinking, neck bearded fucking losers who can't tie a job down keep a job tied down because they're up till four in the morning watching the you know baltimore beavers or whatever the fuck they're called and um and i think i, I didn't really plan it to for it to work out i just thought of some stuff to say in the car um but they got so they were so like skittish and and like shocked and american about it that i think that's why it blew up is because it was a real brit the american like temperament but um, you know, now you know how much I enjoyed that clip and how many times, it, it, let's say it's had 10 million views, I'm 9 million of the 10 million views, right? <laughs> but like any great work of art, the more you watch it, the more things you spot. And my, one of my favorite things is the one guy who is, who finds you, pardon my language, absolutely fucking hilarious. So, so, yeah. so a couple of them are clearly really upset. And that's, you catch that on the, on the first or second watch, you go, oh, yeah. especially, especially the second watch, you really realize, Oh, two of them are really not. They really don't like this. She, the woman, the woman didn't say goodbye to me at the end. She really hates. She really fucking hated me, and she hated me from the off as well. The first thing I said was, "She's like, what do you know about American football?" I said, "Well, I've watched the OJ documentary, so I know he didn't." That's about it. And then she just stares down the camera, going, "Fuck yeah!" She, I think she's she's smart. She knows what's happening. She looks down the camera, going, "Oh, we're oh, fuck." Someone's someone's getting fired. So she looks down the camera at the at the gallery. As if yeah. to say, yeah. I know what one of you've done here, and this yeah. is you've deliberately got a very smart comedian on to <laughs> basically pull our pants down. But the but the, there is one guy, your ally, who, uh, mate, I think you're like his knight in shining armor. He's been waiting for this moment for someone to come on and yeah, be very very funny. Basically, it's like the sort of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs in that there's there's angry, there's really angry, there's laughing a lot, and then there's fucking confused which is the black guy did not know what was going on at all um so he's neutral yeah. all the way through that guy yeah but, he doesn't uh, know what to do he doesn't know what a, place to pull but i have such a soft spot for the guy that clearly is excited by by what is happening i love yeah. i love that clip but if you've is it on is it i mean i saw it on the on the socials but i imagine if you type in what finn taylor nfl is it up there yeah i put the whole the whole the whole five minutes is on my youtube channel yeah if we can't tell this story just say, but I'm 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 gonna go I'm gonna go for it. The comedy world has changed. It's something that we've we've covered on this podcast before, in so much as that just a few years ago, if you did uh let's say Apollo, Ross, Mock, Cats, you pro you probably would have enough to sell out a tour. Uh John Bishop told a a story on one of our online gigs about how he did something like McIntyre's Roadshow. Uh, Ross Apollo, and he went from selling like a few hundred tickets a week 
to selling. I think he sold something like 20,000 in a week, some like insane number. But he t- but he tells that story in it, from the point of view of the underdog. He doesn't tell it in a braggy way. Paul McCaffrey was watching the show and messaged after he told the story to say like, that was so inspiring. But the comedy world has changed as people like you are proving, Vittorio proves, Jen Brist approves in the, it's not necessarily the, the, the TV that sells the tickets. I just said TV like Norm Macdonald um it, it's tv, the TV um it can be things such as finn versus the internet or sharing things on on reels and what have you now the, you tell me a story we won't name the channel but you developed a tv show over was it 18 months or something okay he's named the channel <laughs> i uh was developing a um uh, a little late night show um we were trying to find a way of doing like a sort of i mean i, w- I don't want to say like an edgier mash report because I, I was on i was a regular on mash report and it was a great show but i, I guess we we're trying to find some a way of doing a late night show that wasn't just a man in a suit behind a desk so we it took about two or three years basically they saw my edinburgh show in 2017 and were like you know it's sort of vaguely political and you, this is really hot right now and you know trump's just been elected we want to do something fits this kind of uh, new era we're living through so they put you know they paid us to develop the show we made about two or three mini pilots over the course of three years and then um the final version was was um me and another comic sort of almost bouncing off each other it was really good and we thought okay okay great and then we we didn't hear back for ages which is kind of normal and then the commissioner just said oh yeah i don't think we've um really want to focus on politics anymore so um no we won't do it and i mean the thing is is that if you if you're you 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 get used to dealing with a certain level of disrespect much as i imagine you do if you're if you're polyamorous you you know you you have to put up with a certain level of your the love of your life saying they're gonna go fuck steve or whatever you get used to it trying to develop stuff in television but it doesn't make it any less stinging when it's just so cursory and like flippant and like, oh no, we don't want to do politics anymore. And this has been your whole thing for like three years. Um, and I had a similar thing with another channel. Yeah, and I, I came very close to having stuff put away, but I think like like most comics, you know, we've, we've, all, we've all been in that limbo. And then um, it, took me a, it took me ages to kind of accept that social media was a thing that we had to do. But then once, once I sort of, once I kind of gave myself a kick up the arse and sort of saw it as an opportunity, rather than depressing. I've, I've loved, I mean, the show, Things Like the Internet is the most fun I've ever had making it. And I, I have complete control over it. So it's 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 great. And it's selling tickets. So it's sort of like, why would I ever do anything else? It's, it's great. It, do you find it as fascinating as Tim, as Tim and I massively do, that that needle has swung so much in the space of, I mean, if, let's put the years on it, three years? Less? I, yeah. Well, I remember Mo Gilligan blowing up and thinking, oh, that's, oh, this, he's a nice guy. He's a good act. That, that's good. But that's like a sort of fluke, I guess. That's kind of like random. And then, uh, who else? Then it happened to someone else. And you're like, okay, that's still not what I'm, that's still not what I'm, I'm you know, trying to, I'm trying to do my news for you twice a year. And then my friend would send me a text saying, my parents just messaged me saying, you're one of my good news for you. Not me not putting together that that means that no one's actually watching it. 
Um, uh, and then I think, I remember doing a gig with Joanne McNally just after COVID, and she was basically suddenly a rock star. And I was like, well, this is what happened. And she was like, oh, I do a podcast. And then I looked it up and it's huge. And the clips have gone huge. And she's now been on like a world tour for three years. I thought, oh, fuck, this isn't just a, like a thing that happens to someone every every couple of years. This is how we all have to approach it now. This is the future. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean, I've got to say from an Always Be Comedy point of view, we we went from a weekly comedy night and then lockdown happened and we did 350 online shows. And then now we put shows on, we try to put them on every night of the week. And so that COVID was- COVID industrial complex, mate. And that was, that was from online, you know. But yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, the people that you mentioned there, McAnally is now essentially Adele. I mean, like you say, she's- yeah. <laughs> the tickets. I mean, the, you know, I, the, the the numbers that she's done is is phenomenal. And then Mo Gilligan, we now realise was, yeah, he, he's a nice dude. He's a he's a great ex. But the dude was a trailblazer. I mean, Mo's told me the story. He was working in a in a clothes shop, you know, folding jeans and what have you. He goes home one night. He does the different types of MC in the club or some or DJ in the club. Yeah. He says he goes to work the next day, and he's you know folding trousers or whatever. And <laughs> someone comes up to him and goes, "Are you the?" Are you the different MCs in the club guy? And he goes, "Yeah." And then, you know, the rest is history. You know, he's he's, he's winning back. The actor, the actor who plays Mo Gilligan in the film of his life, will win an Oscar. Yeah, that is Mo's story. Like it's nuts. Yeah, and also what's and what's great is, and I speak, and I'm speaking about you here as well. Is the the individual is in control. So it's that Finn versus the internet. You got off your own, but you know, you made that off your own back. The individual is in control. This. This feels like a sort of seminar on Dutch football tactics. Yes! Oh, finally! <laughs> I think there are a lot of really good comics who I hear complaining about how they're not going to, they're not getting on TV. No one's watching TV anymore. Uh, social media twats are selling tickets and they don't know how to do social media. And it's like, well, you can control one of those. Learn how to do social media. Like, just, just, just upskill. Because it's like being a good live comic anymore. It's kind of a it's, it's kind of a waste. You don't. It, it's annoying that you have to like focus all your attention on marketing because that's that's not what we signed up for when certainly when I started. But um, you know, you're only alive once. For sure. Now, now, Finn, you've been you've been a you've been a terrific comedian for a long time. But when did you really feel that you'd? I'm going to answer my own question, which is the most annoying thing in the world. I think it was when you had that Edinburgh run and I messaged you during Edinburgh to say, it feels like you're, you're having the, the show this year. Or was it another time when you, when you felt that you'd uh, powered up, gone, gone up a level, found your voice, whatever it might be? Yeah, the Ed, that Edinburgh, was that 2016? I think so. Yeah, that, that one was definitely a, here we go. That I felt just walking the streets just felt like fucking yes. I felt like I was on drugs. I mean, I was I was on drugs, but felt um, <laughs> um felt felt incredible. Just felt like I had the world at my feet. Um, because yeah, you 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 have that sort of two weeks where you're you're sort of the talk of the town, and when you're up up in Edinburgh, that that's that's the whole world. You know, the rest of the world doesn't exist. It's just Edinburgh. Um, so that yeah, that was a big that was a big moment. Um. But then you have to, you know, you you have to keep going back, like resets every year. You have to go back and prove yourself again. Um, 
And then uh, there's, there's a lot of false dawns, isn't there? Because I would have thought, well, when I got a, when I got the phone call to say that I got Apollo, I remember thinking, yes. And I did Apollo, and as we've just been saying, you know, it gets half a million views or whatever, and nothing really changes. Uh, all that it does is get you in the 99 Club, which is not to be sniffed at. Um, uh, maybe, I think, I think I remember on my last tour when I, um, I was doing Leeds, uh, City Varieties. You're from Leeds. Yeah, I mean that's one of the most one iconic, of the beautiful, yeah. beautiful rooms in the in the country. And it was, I think, pretty much not quite sold out, but it was probably about just under four hundred in there. And that, that I was like, I was going there thinking, oh, if we fill the stores, that would be good. If we get one hundred and fifty, and 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 getting there, and it was four hundred. And, you know, that was the most tickets I'd sold outside London. It was, felt like a proper theatre. And I was like, oh, fuck, okay, okay. Maybe this is, maybe we're onto something. I don't know. That felt really exciting, that, that show. Um, so who, but who knows? I think it's just constant, it's constant false storms, isn't it? Because your expectation evolves. Do, do you have anything else up the Finn Sailor sleeve? Is there another, what I mean is, do you have another, is there a future project uh, in the way that you unleashed uh, Finn Sailor versus the internet? Um, no, not at the moment. Uh, I would kind of want to see how, how big the show can get. I mean, this series, we've, we've, cause we've, it's the first time we've, we've had like a workable budget. We've been doing it in a proper green screen studio and we've been able to hire like a runner and spend a lot of money on a job, one joke that might not work. I kind of want to, I mean, we've been having like little writer's rooms in my kitchen, like getting other people in. I kind of want to see if I can grow it to be a 10 person writer's room. You know, I, have you watched that documentary about how they make Eric Andre? No. It's so good. It's on YouTube. It's I think they they basically filmed the 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 run up to season five or six of Eric Andre, and it's just the amount of people working nine to five on a on a show that is fifty minutes of the most stupid shit you've ever seen. It's kind of there's something um, quite wholesome about that. So I, I'd like to see if I can just build it and build it and build it. We have a dream, which is to have enough money to shoot the entire, and shoot an entire series on um, 35 millimeter film to make it six, 10 minute YouTube videos and then to screen it at the IMAX. That's the, to see if we could get a web series premiered at the IMAX is the, um, Mate, that's the sort of, it's good. Me and Tim are always talking. You've always got to have that next thing to focus on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's mainly just seeing how big we can and whether the show can get longer. And I think these episodes that we've just filmed will be a bit longer. Yeah, so it's just trying to grow it really. That's all I'm interested in. I uh, feel like I've got a format and I don't wanna I don't wanna move away from it. It's working. You know, I've spent as I as I said, I spent so long in development myself it didn't work. So I just wanna now I've got something that works, just wanna do that. Can you t can you tease any of the guests for the new series? Um no, but what I will say is that I'm editing the first episode. It's a big fish, and I think a lot of people, when they see it, will be like, fucking what? So that's all I'll say. Very pleased, very grateful that they did it. Um, they, they absolutely didn't have to. Um, no one has to. I don't, I don't know why people do it. Uh, <laughs> you're, just, you're just letting three people spend days reading your Wikipedia entry and trying to say awful things about you. But... Um, yeah, no, the first guest is, is we're very excited that they did it. 
Very, very cool. Now, it's a, when, um, one thing about you, Finn, <clears throat> I know this is this has been one long ego massage. I hope you've enjoyed it. But one thing about you, Finn, is, <clears throat> and I get, you'll get this a lot from other comedians, your angles. The angles are so great. And so I would love to know, what, what is your process for, do the angles just naturally drop into your head? For, I'm gonna, I'll pick one out. If, if, if I'm burning gear, we'll, we'll edit it out. But for example, the Scarlett Johansson baby bit. I mean, that bit, that's, that is a, that yeah. is a, that is a uh, Marco Van Basten on the volley, you know, un, un, unsavable bit. Um, do they drop career, career ended at 28. Yeah, it's, no, still, mate, it's, it's, still, it's still raw for me. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but no. But 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 how do they do they just drop into your head, or do you treat it like a you know you, you close the door nine to five writing job? I, I would love to know the process. It's definitely not that. It's more. Um, I read a lot of random stuff about stuff like that, and then maybe sometimes it will be like work and I'll, I'll sort of work through the something, there's some central conflict and I'll, and I'll get to it through work. Sometimes I'll just read about it and then I'll be walking the dog and then it will just flop into my head. But I think, I think if I, yeah, I just, I just read a lot of random discourse. I'm on Twitter mainly to read people's terrible takes because I find that's quite good for getting my own, my own shit takes going. Um, uh, and then some, of their that, some of their takes are not they're like their actual takes they're not ironic or anything you know. so that's, that's what I mean yeah, yeah. But, it's, but it's just getting getting training your brain to think in ways like that um, yeah no there's not really any process I mean when I'm actually writing uh, if I'm writing Converse the Internet I write it down joke because they're quite, quite sort of like pithy lines but if I'm doing stand up I just sort of talk out loud um, trying and try and ideally when no one's in the house because it's quite I feel it's hard to it's almost like getting into a free jazz space where there's no consequences to anything no one can hear me say anything so I can just say stuff into a vacuum and then like rearrange it Does that makes sense I probably you've, if someone could someone could watch it they, I'd, I'd look mental you've taken the next question right out of my mouth I would put you and Sean McLaughlin on the on a similar pedestal and that's that's a huge compliment to, to both of you. And something that Sean said has stayed with me so much that he that's what he does. Alone, at home, performing, riffing out loud. And then as he's, he's like, you know, writing, but the words are coming out of your he mouth. he does? That's yeah. very interesting. And, as the th and it's so interesting that the two of you have, have a similar uh, style. And then things are coming out. Oh, hello, writes that down. Do you, yeah. think, he, <laughs> do you think he imagines the gig going badly? Because all I because because Sean is is sort of not never better than when the gig is going. He's on the back foot. Like I like to think that I like to think I'm in I'm in like I don't know your gig or Top Secret, and I'm like, what would I say about this? Try and like almost fake the adrenaline, but I'm just imagining Sean is imagining himself in front of a crowd of drunks. Because Sean Sean is Sean is the world champion rock climber because there's no one better than when the rocks are. Uh, a falling that he he knows how to throw that hand out and make that life saving clinch yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. climb his way up there. You know, there's he's no free one, solo. Yeah. He's the guy from Free Solo. Sean McLaughlin is free solo. Absolutely. Yeah. 
so that right the tour what can we expect from the new tour finn well it's interesting because um the the first like the last tour i know all my tours i've been go to comedy clubs get the stuff up if it works in comedy clubs it'll work on my tour but now i have an audience that's sort of coming baying for blood as it were it's in and, and i've got some stuff that i'm like you know you do 10 or 20 minutes on stage and you think i'm not sure i have the time to get the audience on side before i try this bit out so i'm almost trying to I don't know. I'm, um, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I, I do. And then I'm also, very tired. I have a two-week-old no. child, but like the the I'm it's I don't know yet whether I need to do all the club gigs to make sure the stuff works, or whether I can kind of bypass that and just imagine I'm in front of my own crowd. I don't know yet. I'm still just trying to work out what to do. And then also, you have this. It's not a problem. It's not even a champagne problem. It's just a fact, I suppose. You will have guys coming to your gigs who are baying for the for the edgelord moments, I guess. Well, yeah, they want the spiciest stuff, and and that's so that's what this tour this tour at the moment is um, sucking <laughs> three three chilies at the moment. Um, <laughs> and when you're and when you're in comedy clubs, you know, I, I was always an advocate of like you've got to try the stuff out in front of a crowd that isn't expecting you to know if it works. But now I'm like. I know that works. It's just that they really don't like me because I said it as soon as I went on stage. But I know it will work in front of the people that are expecting me. So it's this weird thing where, like, my um, my judgment radar is kind of... I'm interfering with it myself because I want to give the fans the best like what they're coming for. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean because, now, I, I believe that... Uh, let's pick Kevin Bridges because, you know, I love... That's not a hot take that I love Kevin Bridges. Kevin Bridges plays the comedy nights, turns up unannounced because he wants to make, he wants to absolutely shred it in front of a room of people who didn't know he was turning up because then he knows that that particular routine will work on tour because he's just made Ethel and John and Barbara and Maureen non-Bridges non fans, but they're like weeping with laughter. So then he knows, yeah. tick. Yeah. Whereas... You know that on tour, you want your fin the specific Finn Taylor three chili guys, and so why would you put why would you put yourself through upsetting Barbara, Maureen, etc. when you know they're not going to go to the tour anyway? Yeah, or the, but I think Kevin's right, and so part of me is like I'm still. I'm so I'm more I'm more I'm more on the Kevin point of view, but I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm still doing the clubs because that's how I write stuff. But there's a point where I'm like, you know, I did these shows in 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 Penge, Finn Taylor and Friends, and it was me trying a bunch of stuff for the first time and just selling it on my Instagram. And all the stuff, like they were, <laughs> um, one of the acts who was on described it as a right wing ABC. Uh, <laughs> it was just the like the loveliest most wholesome evening of very naughty jokes <laughs> and that the crowd would just they just gave you so much and they were so up for it and so now i know that that stuff works in front of the kind of people that are going to be coming but um 
but I've still I've still got half the show to write. I don't know basically. I, I don't I don't I and, I and a lot of this stuff does work in clubs, but I was going to say think... Finn. Sorry, I've got I can't emphasize this enough to the listener. Finn Taylor absolutely roofs, shreds, annihilates. Always be comedy. Let let's be absolutely clear. Um, oh my God, they can't they cannot believe their luck. I mean, mate, I mean you've seen it yourself. The Tommy Field, like wall shaking stuff at the Tommy Field. Well, it's, I mean, thank you, but it is, it is. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the, it's one of the great gigs. You know, it's, it's something we all look forward to that. When we've got it in our diary. Tim, edit out um, one of. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, I don't know at the moment. Um, but, but what, what the, yeah, the, the show is basically me going. Okay, there are people coming expecting me to be my at my naughtiest. So I'm gonna fuck. Let's just fucking go for it and see. See how, see what we can get away with. That's that's what the tour is. Thing is, and you're probably being unfair on yourself because you do know it works in the clubs. It's not like you. Ju- it's not like you're solely performing to a Finn Taylor newsletter and nobody else. It's not. You know, it's not. Um, it's not echo chamber stuff because you because you do do the clubs. Yeah, and I do. It's more than just so. In the last tour, if a bit, if this bit didn't work as well as I wanted it to. If it only got sixty percent rather than a hundred percent, I'd go okay. I need to reverse and I need to put a couple of things in here to make sure that they like me enough for when this punchline drops. But now I'm like it will get sixty percent, and I'll go. I reckon that's a hundred percent in my work. Do you know what I mean? I do. I and do. maybe I'm just being lazy. Also, to, to Bridges, any listeners, Bridges is Bridges is right about everything. I, I, so I kind of I still think he's right, but I don't know. And also, I'm from still, your point of view. And this is how someone like Harry Hill built up a, a following as well. If you can, if you are making the people laugh who weren't expecting to laugh, that's how you build a bigger fan. I mean, I, 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 yeah, Grant, Grant, here, so, I'm going to teach you how to suck these eggs. But you, but you, know, you know what I mean. You know what I mean by that. Yeah, yeah. Um, ultimately, it's a very nice problem to have. But your original question of what the, can people expect from the tour is, I'm putting my foot down and seeing at what point the car goes into the ditch. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! With Uber Reserve, good things come to those who plan ahead. Family vacay? Reserve your ride as soon as you book your flights. To all the planners, now you can reserve your Uber ride up to 90 days in advance. See Uber app for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, Finn, you are, you're curating your, your dream gig. You know, you're, we can share, some people have, have, when we send the format, they go, this is the moment I've been waiting for my whole life. Finally, I get to unleash, you know, some people are like so pre-prepared, whereas some people are like, oh my God, I've been through the ringer on this and you're in the latter camp. Yeah, well, I'll be honest, I've written down a list of names and I, I still don't know who's going where or, or who's made the, made the cut. But what I'll say is that I, I organised a charity gig at the Hackney Empire last week. 
And that lineup was I was hosting Kerry Godleman, um, Jamali Maddox, Fern Brady, Joe Lysett, Phil Wang. That was everyone in my address book that I was like, I love I love watching these guys. Um however, they're all sort of they're all sort of my generation. Kerry's a Kerry's a bit before my time, but they're all kind of so yeah. I I yeah, I've gone with the sort of fantasy element for this lineup. Very nice. That, it's it's a, it's you know, it's a live all day, isn't it? It's um it's totally Wozniak, Wozniak went for exclusively dead. <laughs> cool. Okay. Right. So um, now do, now do you have any pre gig rituals? Uh not anymore, but I definitely used to. Um, I used to really need to have tight shoelaces. I used to, I don't know why, I used to, like the MC would say my name and I'd be like, right, fuck. And I'd just go and check. I'd undo my shoes and redo them up. I still I do this on TV warm-ups. So the, not on gigs. You do that. TV warm-ups, I have to have tight shit. That's and why I don't I'm know whether, that face. I don't know. I don't know whether it's that I'm, I'm paranoid about spraining an ankle or, or or whether I just feel like I need a solid base from which to pivot. Um, yeah, I don't do it as much anymore. Now I could be sort of eating a, a three-course meal and, like, be just mopping my lips and just go on stage um, in sort of, like, the height of disrespect to the audience. But, no, I used to, I used to definitely just obsess about having tight shoes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still laughing at the... Uh, da- mopping. Hmm. Barbecue sauce off the tea. Uh, I'd recommend yeah. the ribs. Oh, hang on. Yeah. See you in 20. Yeah. Uh, right, okay. Who uh, who MCs the gig? Who MCs the gig? MCing the gig is someone I, I, I never got to see live and was um, only, shamefully, only really discovered them after they had passed away. But it is um, Patrice O'Neill. Outstanding. I, I, think, I think him, his, his crowd work you wouldn't even call it crowd work. That kind of diminishes what he... He would just sit in a room and he, he'd know where he was going. He'd have a punchline, but he would basically make it as effective as possible by wringing everything he could out of the dynamics in the room, the sexual dynamics, the, the racial dynamics, the class dynamics. He would basically pump up the tension before he dropped what he knew, or was always going to drop by you know using the white guy the, the the whiny girlfriend he would basically build his caricatures into his stuff and um i mean elephant in the room is i think along with norm mcdonald album i think is probably the best stand-up gets i think um so yeah i'd, I'd want him i'd want him emceeing because i don't you know i don't want to fuck about if this is i'm you're all in or you're or you're going home with this lineup frankly Great, uh, great choice. I even love watching his appearances on podcasts. I mean, there's, I know it's a very obvious clip, but the the, the Radiohead clip is incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. White guy. <laughs> but also, actually, I tell you what. To answer your question earlier about whether I had any other projects that I would do, did you ever you ever watch Tough Crowd? Yeah, sometimes. So um, that was, if you don't know, was a show where it was hosted by Colin Quinn. And it was like all the all the guys from the New York Comedy Cellar talking about the news, but then sort of beating lumps out of each other, kind of turning it into almost a roast. And had a lot of guys like Bill Burr and um, 
and uh, you know, all, all that. Dennis Leary, uh, yeah, Greg yeah, all, all that lot before they kind of broke. I would love to make a show like that. But yeah, P- Patrice O'Neill hosting, I think, just immediately sets the tone for what is going to be all in three chilies. You're not you, getting any, no fucking yogurt on this lineup. You could, you could make a show like that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, you need what? I don't think, three, I don't think it would work cameras. On, I don't think it would work on TV. You'd have to make it yourself. Hundred percent. But yeah, I, yeah, that's something that I, I have in the back of my head. YouTube show what you you're you're the Colin Quinn you're stood over that wooden table yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. then you know what th- what three comedians either side or t- you know two yeah something like that yeah I think it'd be great doable on you do it on a, on a relatively small budget now if there's a, if there's a YouTube clip you want to check out for that show it's would you say it's most famous for Greg Giraldo versus Dennis Leary I don't know if I've seen that bit I've mainly just jumped out on the Patrice bits of it. Dennis Leary, to his credit, has talked about it since and gone, I was, I was a dick. But Gre- Greg Giraldo has come armed with gear. And I think Dennis Leary thinks, because Dennis Leary's a big star when he does it, he's probably doing it as like a thank you to Colin, you know. Yeah. And uh, I'll, say, I'll say nothing. They talk about Russia and it goes from there. It's, it's great. <laughs> and it got so spicy that Colin Quinn thinks he's like diffusing a potential physical altercation by lifting his foot and putting it up on the table to get between the two guys wow yeah and as i think dennis leary says what was that going to do what was colin putting his foot on a table gonna resolve everything although to be fair it worked um right patrice great choice uh i believe bill burr and a load of other guys still do the memorial gig each year to raise funds for the o'neill family and, and 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 what have you so very beloved figure in American comedy history. Who opens the gig? So there were lots of lots of options. Um, I was thinking about Mike Wilmot for a long time, who um, is, there's no one better at the kind of sad, exasperated, middle-aged man in an ill-fitting suit than Wilmot. Um, I was thinking about Tom Ward, who I love, I love watching. I could watch, I could watch him for hours. But I've decided to make a statement with the opening act. And I've decided to open the show with Joan Rivers. Outstanding. Joan Rivers opening the show is Zach Crawley hitting the first ball of the Ashes for four. It is a symbol of intent. Shit will get off the pot. And even now, when you watch Rivers' stuff, totally holds up. Relentless. The gag rate, the, the sort of, um, she would lash out at everyone and then herself. She was kind of beloved, even though she had all this kind of very caustic stuff. That's that's not, you know, that's that's really difficult to be treasured, in spite of the awful things you're saying. So um, self-aware, so yeah. self-deprecating. You watch her on the uh, Comedy Central roast. She's getting roasted. Yeah. No one is laughing harder than Joan Rivers. Yeah, she... and then she gives it back. You know, just could you could never. You could never get a joke like she'd always finish. She'd always top it, and it'd be done. Um, and I, I have a real old school sensibility. I was thinking about Robbie Dangerfield. I love all that, you know, catching all those guys. Um, so yeah, I think opening the show with Rivers glamorous for me off. Also, just, everyone on board. She was just so funny. Yeah, so a bit funny. like 
but like only one position on that switch and it was just funny you know you we you know you'll see comedians who you love on a talk show and i'm like sort of i'm like rooting for them to do better come on you can do you know you you know they're on someone i love is on fallon and they're not quite oh come on mate come on you can do this whereas rivers jesus Christ, i mean like your, your cricket analogy is perfect i mean she's just forons forons knows when to leave on forons yeah, 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 yeah you know yeah. uh never had to worry about her jesus christ right phenomenal do you have a favorite rivers uh clip or anything no i just i literally when i was thinking about it i just watched the um i watched the apollo set the second one where she starts with a huge feather boa and she's it's funny because she's rinsing like gok wan and all these celebrities that are, are no longer really around but she goes in on eamon holmes first thing she says in the apollo clip is eamon holmes and your wife's just there um, Eamon Holmes is, is, you know, lovely guy. When you know, you know, you know, honey, when he speaks to other women, he cries out your name and he all goes, you know, just like, just bang off. Oh man, so good. Uh, who middles? So this is a this is um this is a guy that I think uh, should be bigger than he is. He he um he's I'm glad he's not though because he he agrees to support me on tour. I I just could watch him all day. I think the funniest comic this country has, Dan Cook. Dan Cook. Hang on, can I just stop you there? Tim Lewis is now dabbing his eyes and blowing his nose. Yeah, Dan Cook is, is, is probably the most naturally funny, naturally gifted stand-up who doesn't really do stand-up. Like, he's probably more of an actor... And he and he writes and he he does like sitting in his house, but if he decided to just go right, I'm a stand up. He would he could be as big as he wanted because someone tweeted me after one of my tour shows saying really enjoyed the show and props to the opener Dan Cook who was like the material of Michael McIntyre delivered by a sex offender, and and that's what Dan, Dan has this sort of ability to be incredibly creepy and yet incredibly likable and accessible and whilst also being the biggest snob imaginable. He has this new bit about charity shops that it, that when he did My Night in Penge and he did the main punchline in it, like he couldn't say anything for 30, 40 seconds because the room was just shaking. Um, yeah, Dan Cook, so funny. Look him out. Um, so funny, great comedian. Like you say, a room shaker, and then I'm going to bring up a, a popular phrase on the podcast, would be a great hang at the gig. Yes. Now, I have to say that I've not thought about the green room at all in this lineup. Um, this green room is going to be awkward as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, actually, I actually don't want to be in the green room. I like to just sit and watch. There's every chance Rivers has fucked off as soon as she's done a set. Rivers is in and out. Rivers is in and out. Do you want Dan, to get a picture? Dan... Probably not. Dan's there watching Watford highlights on his phone. <laughs> Patrice doesn't know what the fuck's going on. He's like, why am I? Why am I here? Probably eating sweets or something. Now I really want to be in this green room. Uh, you know, Joan, Joan, please stay just for the chat. That'd be awesome. Uh, right, Dan Cook, right, brilliant, superb. Uh, who, who closes? So um, this is someone that, um, it's, another, it's another American, but... It's someone I'm kind of obsessed with, and I've seen them live twice when they've come over here. Uh, and it is the one and only Neil Hamburger. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he's sort of in the Tim and Eric universe 
people who don't know, but Neil Hamburger is a character act by a guy called Greg Turkington who wears a tuxedo and has horribly slicked comb over. And he says the most appalling, depraved one-liners in the style of a sort of um, 1970s club comedian. And it, it just hit, it just, for me, it just ticks every fucking box. I just can't get enough. I can't get enough. With some of the, the, the joke writing is like, is so depraved and yet silly that you can't, you almost can't be offended, even though it's the most offensive thing. You know, you feel free to edit some of these out. I'll just, I'll just say some of the ones that stick in my head. Um, why does ET love Reese's Pieces so much? Because they remind him of the taste of cum on his home planet. <laughs> when I'm writing Finn vs. the Internet, I like to listen to a lot. I li listen to him to get into that headspace. Um, he also does, um, you know, he, he, he will, after every joke, he'll put, a, he'll put a pint of water under his arm. And, and then for one of the jokes, he'll go, like, the punchline will be, the actor, Robin Williams. And, and he'll bend over and the water will still all over his suit. Um, he's just he's a man completely debasing himself um, and a lot of even though it's so obviously a character a lot of audiences are like he opens for bands a lot of the time and I think a lot of his material is about musicians um, uh, maybe maybe he used to I think he used to work in the music industry uh, anyway yeah I just think you know we're, we're building Patrice O'Neill's going on in between the acts He's having a he's he's he's, have, he's provoking fights in the audience. Joan Rivers is roasting people. Dan Cook, brilliant stand up, with a with a with a, with a dark edge. And then if you're still if you're still there, Hamburger is giving you some awful imagery to go home with. <laughs> you know, what I think you've done. I've not said this to any any guest. You've picked comedians who, when you put them all together, <clears throat> a bit like the end of uh, Mighty Morphin Power, Power Rangers. Where they would all join together and create like a, 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 a you know a, a mega superhero, a mega Power Ranger. I think you put all those guys together and you get Finn Taylor. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Do you know what? I, I I think you might be right. I think those that's those are my four Horcruxes. <laughs> <laughs> if you kill, so I'm two down actually. I'm I if, if when Dan Cook and Neil Hamburger die, I I cease to exist. Rivers, they've got Rivers and Patrice. <laughs> well, that's, I'm operating on one leg currently. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think. Fuck, I didn't realise that. That's um, that's exactly what it is. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Velux XC. Juvederm Velux XC is an ejectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Velux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com.
That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Has there been an incident at a gig that you would love to somehow replicate at this gig? Uh, well, there's two things that spring to mind. One, uh, one of my favourite um, moments is when someone I made someone laugh so hard that they sort of fell off their chair into someone else that fell off their chair, and it sort of caused a domino effect of three men fell off one of their chair, um, which then kind of made the gig worse. But it was quite satisfying. I mean, that's like getting three strikes on the trot. <laughs> yeah, you've got as a comedian, you've got to take that as a win. Yeah, that was a win. But do you know what? Do you know wow. what I? And this is more if you're performing, but what I absolutely love is coming off somewhere like the Comedy Store. And I, I record every gig voice memo, voice note on my phone. Coming off the Comedy Store, I look at my, as I press pause, like 20 minutes and one millisecond, or like 1958. You know, the closest I can get to 20 on the dot. It's, it's a bit autistic and weird, but that, that, that to me, no matter how well the gig has gone, if it's 20 minutes on the dot, I'm like, Fuck yeah! I just did that. You know, my my sense of timing is that yeah. cute. You know, that's 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 my little that's my little thing that can just make a good gig even better when you've actually hit your time on the dot. That's beautiful. Uh, now, is there an incident that must not happen at this gig? Yes, Edinburgh twenty fifteen in its entirety, <laughs> but specifically, but specifically. <laughs> Specifically, the, the day where I hadn't sold any tickets, and Live Nation—I'm in the Pleasance. Live Nation decides, to, with ten minutes to go, I think, well, we'll just pull the show. Live Nation decides to just round up people in the courtyard and just whack them in my porter cabin, and so I end up doing an hour to the woman booking the Melbourne Comedy Festival, the comedian Annie McGrath. And they, <laughs> And a 15-person stag do no! consisting of air traffic controllers from Dundee. No! <laughs> I seed them, I'd say, four times in the first 20 minutes to say, guys, we could just, we don't have to do this. <laughs> because the stag do are, you look like, I've been on stag dudes. I know that a kind of mob mentality, you know, you, you just decide to be the most dicks you can. I get it. But it it became impossible because they they would they they decided to go to the toilet one by one, and it was in a porter cabin where if you open the door like light flooded it was daylight flooded in. Uh, they all then started doing this at one point. They started with the the that because they're all air traffic control. Like it was the longest hour of my life, um, and I'll be honest, it, it has meant that whenever I see Annie McGrath. Who's, who's, who's a lovely person and a good comic. I, I just, I sort of, I'm almost, I'm almost waiting for her to bring it up, even though, even though we have never talked about it and it was no. 10 years ago. I'm just like, you, you remember, right? You've, <laughs> remember how, you've seen me at my lowest. Finn, I say this is your friend. You have to bring it up with her to get closure. I don't want, no, 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 no. Push it down, push it down, push it down, push it down. 
whenever I get on a plane now, I grip, yeah. I grip the seats. Yeah. So, I'm never flying to Dundee. Fuck that. <laughs> I'm, my, the way I die is I fly a plane into Dundee Air Traffic Control Centre, and that's my closure. That's my closure. I 9-11 Dundee Airport. That's my closure. Annie McGrath, co-pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get her involved. Susan Prone from Melbourne at the back. That's my closure, is I fly a small, light aircraft into Dundee control This tower. is what I call closure! Yeah. 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 What, a, what a brilliant answer. Did you get to the end of the show? Yeah. Yeah, but, but I was... Um, but, like, after 20 minutes, I was... You know, because I was offering it. Like, let's just end this. But because they said keep going, you're then, like aware that you still have to sort of do a job. It was just, it was just gross. I just hated myself. It was, it was Eva Green crying in the shower in Casino Royale for the next like three days. I just, keeps me up at night. Oh, I, I went to see a show that was really good in that room a few years later and was on edge. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I yeah. remember doing a gig and it, there were, it was a hen party of 19 and they were mid, like middle-aged and there weren't many other audience members. Do you get, do you get that, the little voice in your head just going, what, mate, why are we doing this? Why are you doing this yeah. to yourself? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, it's, it's just, it's soul deadening. But also I, for some reason I ended that show that year by um, slapping pizza on my bare thighs. I don't really know why. I think, I think, um, <laughs> I think for me that I, I don't know why that was how I ended the show. So I knew I was going to have to do that at some point as well. I was like, if if we do, if we do the whole show, I'm going to do that. I've got to, I've um, got to get the pizza right in a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a fresh one today. Sorry, by the way, when I said the end part was middle middle age, I don't know what I don't know I don't know why, but that but it it just sort of they were they were extra annoying than than you might well it's a second it's a second wedding isn't it it's a second wedding oh it's a type of feralness where you you regress and you do if, it harder because you you your life is now so boring so you go even harder if central casting had put them on coronation street for a raucous middle-aged hindu you'd have been like oh they're, they're they're actually too on the nose yeah finn last question how do you unwind after a gig I it's quite boring. I I go to bed. I can sleep pretty. pretty no, you quick. can't. Yeah, I just go to bed. <clears throat> um, yeah. Well, you you could you get. We had a double show last night. I may as well have like I may as well have just drunk eight liters of Lucasade. So you can you just come home and head pillow sleep. Pretty much, yeah. I don't. I mean, maybe it's having young kids. But it's like you're just what you. If I stay up watching, you know, fucking old Wimbledon finals, <laughs> I've seen them all before. But also, I, what am I doing? I'm just going to fuck myself for seven a.m. and my daughter comes and slaps me in the face. Do you know what I mean? So I do. So I can just I could just go to bed. What, what I'm bad for is a film will come on that I can watch any time, and then I've got to watch Anchorman to the end. What are you doing that for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, it's, it's ironic because a lot of the people that don't like me say, how on earth do you sleep at night after you've said those things? And the answer is, the answer is very well. Better, better than you. Better uh, than you. Finn Taylor, huge and heartfelt thanks. That was, that was glorious. So uh, God bless you and we will, uh, we, we'll see you very soon.
Thanks so much for having me, James. Lots of love. Huge and heartfelt thanks to the great Finn Taylor. If you've enjoyed the episode, please do a solid and uh, share it and all that malarkey across the socials. It helps like you would not believe. Um, Tim, your favourite your favorite Finn Taylor memory? Uh, something we discussed in the episode is, is when he went on the NFL show. <laughs> oh, my God. On daytime television and... I think it's one of the great TV moments. It's absolute. Yeah, I've talked before about when 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 Freddie Starr would appear on Des O'Connor, and there was that air of danger, and that that was the vibe that Finn Taylor had on the on the NFL show because you didn't know what was. Oh, Tim, I mean, as I said on the episode, that there's so much to like. If you've not seen it, please watch it. And as as I said on the episode. The guy who found Finn funny, I'd love to meet him and shake him by the hand. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I will always think of the fumble ruski as what Finn thinks it means instead of what it actually means. Uh, yeah, you, you, you're in for a trip. That's it. That's it, Tim. That's a great pick. The, the <laughs> oh my gosh, can you imagine as it's all unfolding what the other hosts were thinking? Like, oh. Uh, but no, he went in there. He went in there, pistol hot, it, like, like there was a new sheriff in town. He knew exactly what he was doing. And he, he, dare I say, it, he cleaned up. It was brilliant. Uh, right. So Finn Taylor and I live quite close with, to each other, and so Finn Taylor has given me, has been known to give me a lift home from a gig, and uh, he drives. He drives a cash guy. Uh, the gills drive a, a cash guy, and the the running gag is the cash guy of trust, and so. What that means is basically a bit, a bit like a new material night. What's what said in the Kashkai stays in the Kashkai. So I have very fond memories of chatting with Finn about uh, comedy and comedians and uh, just just having a blooming good catch up and knowing full well that whatever was said, that as soon as I got out of my got out of my house and closed the passenger seat door, uh, it would stay in there forever. Uh, Finn is a is a top dude. Uh, and, a, and a good friend, and we we like him very much. And he's a he's as you've just discovered, he's a whip smart dude as well. So I feel like we're he's one of those dudes, Tim. I feel like we're lucky that he's around while we're running always be comedy. He's he's, he's, he's that sort of guy. Wow, that's really nice. Yeah, I, I agree. It's so exciting having him every time he's on. It's just always there's electricity in the room. I would say keep your eyes open across the socials and on our website because we are in the process. We didn't quite get it sorted because I went away. It's my fault. We didn't quite get it sorted in time for the episode. But Finn will be doing a work in progress at Always Be Comedy. So keep your eyes peeled for that. It will be a spicy meatball. Uh, thanks, as always. Uh, as we say, drop us a line. The team at alwaysbecomedy.com. We love you, correspondents. We love you guys saying hello. So thanks for him. Oh, I've got to say this very quickly. We had a great gig last night. Ashling, Nish, and so on. And as we got to the final section, there was a break and we came back from the break. And just before I went back on, a woman came up to me and she went, excuse me, can, can I have a word? And I, Tim and I were joking about this because I, I just immediately thought, oh, here, we, here we go, podcast listener, going to tell us how much they, they've loved the night and what, you know, and uh, I go over almost, almost like reaching for my phone for the, for the, for the selfie, you know, lovely to meet her. Always lovely to meet a listener. Can I have a word? Yeah, of course you can. Uh, turn the aircon off.
Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So I'd like to thank, I'd like to thank that. Uh, I'd like to thank that person for keeping me grounded. Uh, mission accomplished. God bless you. Um, we'll see you soon. Have a great week and we'll see some of you this week. Take care. Bye-bye-bye-bye.